right. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm okay. Great. Thanks, thanks for the for, invitation. Don. Thanks for coming out here today. Hopefully the drive was good. Uh, all interstate. 355, all interstate. 88, no problem. What did you drive here today? Did you drive your fancy car? I did not drive my favorite <laughs> car. <laughs> I uh, I drove my aging Honda Pilot, but uh, you know my my Carmen Ghia is in the garage. Oh my! And is, that's your favorite car? That you asked that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's my uh, favorite car. I've had it for thirty eight years. A nineteen seventy four Carmen Ghia convertible. Oh my goodness! So it's uh, part of the family, actually. <laughs> <laughs> What a way to start a band interview, right? <laughs> oh no, it's fun. You know, people people will appreciate that, and I and I think the the sales of those is going to go way up. What is it again? A 1982 Carmen San Diego? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Jim, why don't we start from the beginning? Tell us uh, where you're from. Maybe musical upbringings. Uh, maybe some musical mentors as well. Okay. My family was always supportive of of music uh you know you learn about your parents after you know, you get older but uh my mom and dad were uh east aurora uh depression kids uh my dad served in the south pacific and uh they played my dad played the valve trombone and band and my mom played the viola um of course i didn't know any of this when i was a kid um so all of, uh, I'm one of six kids, we all played in band, and uh, that was just something they thought was important. So in fifth grade, uh, I was uh, had the chance to start an instrument, and the next door neighbor played the cornet. His name was Ron Chambers. I thought he was just the coolest guy. <laughs> Not necessarily because he played the cornet, but he was just a cool guy. So I, I thought, you know, I'd play the, the cornet, and then I'd be cool as well. Peer you know? pressure is not always a bad thing. Right. And so uh, a man by the name of G. Edward Nelson, uh, East Aurora High School, put a cornet in my hands when I was, what, 10, 11? And that started the whole thing. He was my elementary band director and uh, my high school band director. I took private lessons from him, and he's the one that really, really got me started uh, had some chances to play uh, <clears throat> play uh, in church when I was younger, and that was uh, was helpful as well. We had a trumpet trio when I was in middle school, and this uh, this musical genius was at our church and would write all these arrangements for us and play piano. So it just became part of my part of my life, you know. And it's it's where I found my my acceptance in uh, in school was uh, through the band and through playing my my cornet and then the trumpet. Um, other mentors. Um, when I went to college, I really didn't intend on being a high school band director. I was going to be a church musician. So I uh, applied and was accepted at Moody Bible Institute. And they had a band there. It was a young group. <clears throat> I mean, just, you know, hadn't been going that long, but... A guy by the name of Jerry Edmonds, who's still alive, um, was uh, was an amazing mentor to me. And what he did with that band at Moody uh, really was was quite inspiring. In fact, um, I run my program, treat kids uh, to this day the way that that Jerry Edmonds treated me. Um, I learned how to be a good person in front of a band uh, through him. 
And uh, he went on to do the Moody Chorale later in his career, but um, he started that band at Moody. And, uh, boy, the things we were able to do, because we toured a lot, you know, to recruit and played in a lot of churches. Uh, my senior year, we did a two-week trip to California, and after I graduated, we did three weeks in Venezuela <laughs> <laughs> with this band. It was it was just crazy. Um, and then... Um, Upon graduation from from Moody, uh, I really wanted to get a degree. Moody was a diploma program at that point, um, so I transferred to Illinois State to get my, you know, liberal arts education, and and uh, really fell in love with music ed there. Uh, my path, it just uh, the door was closed uh, as far as going into uh, to church music and and uh, opened uh, going into to music ed. So um, uh, three years at ISU, and I, I uh, student taught with a guy named Bruce Hammett from uh, Fairbury Cropsey High School, just uh, about 20 miles north of Bloomington. And he, um, he was a mentor as well in, in showing me how to organize a program and, and how, to, how to run a program, how to... Uh, I learned a lot about marching band through him, you know, how to how to function, how to make it work, you know. I worked his band camp a couple of years after that and met met uh, a lot of people, a lot of resources through uh, through Bruce Hammett. Um he lives in Gibson City now and uh you know, I hear from him from time to time. Uh after that, uh started teaching in a little town called Bradford, Illinois. There were 600 in the town, 140 in the high school. <laughs> and uh, I had a really nice little band there, you know. Uh, only stayed there a year. Uh, I realized that to teach in a town that size, you had to have been raised in a town that size. <laughs> and I was single, you know, had a motorcycle, and and uh, it, it was... Um, just wasn't wasn't uh, comfortable for me. I, I got an offer uh, to teach at Yorkville okay. High School, so I moved uh, uh, went to Yorkville High School, and uh, then started uh, <laughs> that job was orchestra, choir, and band. Um, and boy, did I learn a lot there as well. And um, uh, took over for a, from a guy named uh, Frank Hamelman, who I'm friends with to this day. Uh, he left to go into fundraising, and and uh, they were trying to save some money at that point, so they thought, uh, in my interview, the question was, okay, well, do you think you could do orchestra and choir? And I go, well, I'd sure try. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> and, Just say uh, yes to whatever gets you the job. <laughs> ex exactly. E exactly. So... Uh, during those years, I was able to uh, to live at home. I wasn't married, although that's uh, that's where I met um, my wife during during my uh, just two years at Yorkville. Um, <laughs> I'm one of the few guys that knew his mother-in-law before he knew his wife. My mother-in-law was a teacher's <laughs> aide there. <and laughs> we kind of got got set up. Um, but anyway, um, when I was at uh, Yorkville, I decided to start a a master's at Northwestern and uh, did the four summers. And that's where I met uh, 
two great mentors, Don Owens um, and uh, uh, John Painter. So specifically, Don Owens uh, is where I learned learned about jazz and learned how to get deeper into that that uh, style of music. Uh, so in high school, uh, G. Edward Nelson was a former Marine sergeant. I learned at his funeral that he was on Iwo Jima. Wow. <laughs> I never knew that. Um, but jazz wasn't his thing, so we really didn't have uh, have a, a jazz band. There was a guy that came in and tried to do a dance band kind of thing, but it was it wasn't really anything super serious. And so then I get to Moody, and back in the 70s, there, uh, there certainly wasn't any jazz going on there. Um, then I get to ISU, and I couldn't make the jazz band because I didn't have any experience mm. with it. And the first question I get asked as um, a teacher in Bradford is, hey, Mr. Stombridge, when's jazz band start? <laughs> so, you know, it was trial by fire and just asking a lot of questions of people. And and uh, Don Owens was, uh, he realized quickly uh, when I started that program at Northwestern that I didn't know what I was doing as far as jazz. And But his response was, okay, let's go. Instead of, you know, well, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, I owe a lot to that man. Um, John Painter was um, was a man that uh, I was always afraid of. <laughs> but I don't know why, because he was very, very kind to me. Reminded me of my dad somewhat, okay. you know, in his demeanor and uh, uh he he was he was kind to me as well and um just showed me no i don't think you should do that here's what you should do he taught me how to honor the music and how to really prepare you know a score and uh programming things like that so um and then after uh that in my career i've i've discovered people that were really good mentors to me uh Two people come to mind, uh, that being um, uh, Steve Squires, who's now at uh, Roosevelt, and uh, uh, Jim Lambrick, who's at Augustana. Um, I, th- I think those guys, and I think uh, I think Ted Liga, I can put in that uh, that uh, arena as well. Uh, those those men have, uh, <laughs> I think they've forgotten more than I know. <laughs> Uh, and I would always, uh, I would have them out to work with my groups. I got to know, uh, uh, Steve through Brian Wiss and we'll talk about Brian Wiss sure, maybe sure. later. Uh, and, uh, I got to know Jim Lambert cause my uh, daughter played in his, uh, in his band at Augustana for four years and, uh, really learned to, to respect his, his work there. And then, um, you know, used him as a as a, a mentor. Uh, that relationship developed as a you know him as a mentor because of his knowledge of literature. His his he's such a great technician. Um, he knows how to fix things. Um, Steve Squires is just uh, he's a musical genius in that he can hear something and figure out how to make it better and explain it to the students or to me in such a way that I understand it. Uh, so that's kind of the the history of the the mentorship. Um, 
you know, as far as my, my development as a teacher. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about, um, the schools that you've worked at? And I know you started off with a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Bradford was a, was an interesting situation. I took over for a guy that was revered and loved. So this would be an encouragement to maybe young teachers or people that are looking for jobs. I didn't have that job until the second week of August. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't think I was going to get a job. Stressful this was summer. 1978, and you know things were tight. And and then I got a call from Bruce Hammett saying, "Hey, uh, our former principal is now the superintendent in Bradford, and their band director just resigned last night." And I, he called me and said, "Do you know anybody?" So uh, I gave him your name, and you're going to get a call. All right. <laughs> My father always said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> and and he was right. Uh, so uh, it was uh, two days later. Um, I'm in Bradford interviewing and signed a contract. And then all of a sudden, it's great. Now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I called Bruce and he goes, you know what? He goes, you're, you need to get in there and work really hard for two or three days and you're going to feel a whole lot better. And I've used that line to encourage, um, my own children, okay. um, uh, other, other colleagues, um, uh, because it's true, you know, you get in there and you see what you need to do and you just, you just start working. You you rely on your training and your your instincts and and uh, you meet kids you meet meet the parents and then then you go. So we had to do a full concert in the park in a parade on Labor Day at Bradford, <laughs> and we did. I don't know how we did. We just we just did because we had to. All right. So that was a five through twelve band job, and I had beginning band. Um, I I I just really learned a lot there. Um, <clears throat> drove school bus, you know, uh, and uh, taught the five through twelve, and and there were some great kids there. To this day, I'm still corresponding with a, a boy, my only tuba player in that band. He was a freshman. Uh, Chris Piper is his name. Uh, was teaching in Peoria Heights and connected with him at Allstate several. Well, I don't know, four or five years mm -hmm. ago, and and. Uh, I looked at him and I said, Chris, how old are you? And he goes, Mr. Stombreys, I have four grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> uh, but uh, kids like that were very kind um, because they um, uh, they gave me a chance. Uh, this guy that had left was was loved, stayed in town. Kids would go over to his house all the time and, you know, hang out. <clears throat> so... That was part of the reason for uh, for leaving, I guess, uh, and the fact that I got a little, I thought, a better job closer to home Sure, uh, in Yorkville. Yorkville was, um, again, through a friend, uh, got that recommendation, and um, that was uh, band, orchestra, and choir at the high school, um, also giving lessons at the middle school, and I had a beginning program at one of the one of the grade schools. So did you ever go home? Well, you know, I'm single at the time. Yeah. So uh, if I got home by 10 o'clock, uh, that wow. was good. Um, and uh, that, again, I, I learned a lot. I, there was kind of a joke that I would, uh, 
would uh, wear a, a red coat and a top hat and be Ringmaster Ned at the uh, concerts because we'd have, you know, go from the, the orchestra to the band to the choir. But I had some really great players there. Yeah. And uh, some really, um, really good experiences. And, and uh, to this day, I'm, I, I'm still friends with a lot of the, the kids that I taught there. Um, and how long did you spend in New York? Bill? I was just there two years. Two years. Yeah. So um, then uh, a job opened up in Batavia. And uh, boy, how did I hear about that job? I think it was, again, through through somebody that I knew and I, I applied, uh, partly because the Yorkville job, it was a bit of a burnout job. Um, and uh, so... I uh, I applied and then and then started at at Batavia, and uh, I think I could have stayed at Batavia uh, a long time uh, had it not been for the opportunity at uh, at Naperville North that came along. But uh, so figure, <laughs> in my first four years of teaching, I had three different jobs. <laughs> that was just nuts, you know. Uh, the Batavia job, uh, I stayed there for uh, six years, okay. I believe. And uh, again, that was a, a great, great job. The middle school director, Mike Styers, who um, I see from time to time, really was a great guy, sent great students. That was kind of a band town in a mm-hmm. way. They took a lot of pride. Uh, the guy that uh, was the director there for years and years knew my high school director, Ed um Elwood Willie was the director there, and he and I became uh, friends. Um, he uh, got, I guess, demoted to the elementary, and and I figured the best way to build a bridge there was just to spend time with him. We'd have jazz band Tuesdays and Thursday nights, so I'd say, "Hey, Elwood, let's go, let's go out to dinner." So mm-hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we'd, you know, after school, we'd we'd go out to eat and just talk, you know, and I learned a lot from that man because he was just so dedicated to, to his craft and, uh, and he knew so much. So, um, the, uh, the Batavia years were really growing years for me because, uh, I felt like I was hitting my stride as far as, as, uh, literature. I just completed the program at, uh, at Northwestern and, and had some some great ideas to try out, uh, not only with with the concert band but also with with the jazz band. We uh, well, that was the first Midwest experience. We we took the Batavia Jazz Band to the Midwest. I was scared to death. I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> but there were some great players in there. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> it was just quite quite a learning experience for me. Um. But uh, what was the most surprising thing about that? Looking back on it for you, well, sometimes you know, ignorance is bliss. You know, I, I I'm looking out uh, in the audience, and you know, there's there's Frank Mantooth, and there's uh, some all these big names. Uh, uh, actually, my my clinician, the guy that was uh, that I had guest artist, uh, was Mike Steinell, who's I made friends with. He was at Northern at the time, and um, he was doing some trumpet teaching for us at the school, and and uh, <laughs> the first time I ever did any jazz improvisation was with Mike Steinell. I took private lessons from him, mm. uh, just trying to learn 
how to how to do this so I could tell the kids how to, sure. you know. And Mike obviously had a lot of connections, so all these people were in the audience. He wrote a piece uh, uh, in uh, honor of uh, Thad Jones, who had died that year. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the whole not really knowing what I was getting into um, was probably helpful at that point, you know, because we were prepared and as best we could. And uh, it, uh, well, there's a lot of other stories about that performance that I'll probably just, uh, maybe if we get to later, but, sure, sure. but it was a real learning experience for me and um, humbling uh, and uh, yet at the same time uh, inspiring because those, uh, <clears throat> those kids, you know, Midwest is, is, is about, the experience of the students, not the experience for the director. <laughs> and, and that was, uh, you know, that inspired a lot of kids in that group and, and, uh, still close to, to many of those students, mm. even to this day. That's, uh, so that's Batavia. That's Batavia. Okay. And then you go to Naperville North after Batavia. Naperville North. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> when I took that job, uh, this is a high school of about 3,200 kids. Uh, there were 34 kids in the band wow. when I started there. Um, the guy before me, I really don't even remember his name, um, said he really wanted dedication. Um, don't If you're going to be in band, you're going to be in band. I don't want you doing sports or anything else. I want real commitment. Well, you just don't do that, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially these days. And so... The kids, um, the, the, there was just, is a very small program. Um, there were still, <clears throat> still some good players there. Um, but it was, it was uh, starting from, from ground zero, mm -hmm. you know, and you take that job and about a week later, you, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> During that time, I'd become uh, friends with Chip Staley, who I knew was a, a former podcaster and he's been a good friend for 30 years mm -hmm. or more. And uh, he was at Wabansi Valley. Well, I couldn't start at Naperville North because I wasn't released from my contract. They had, uh, you know, the board meetings and all this other kind of stuff. So the first day of band camp that I, I'd set up a band camp, but I couldn't be there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Chip did my band camp for two or three days. <laughs> and to reciprocate, I worked his band camp um, at Wabansi. Uh, so a bit of a, of a rough start, but... Um, uh, you just you dig in, you know. Okay, what do you do? You you try to you try to get the kids uh, inspired. You try to uh, get more kids, you know. And so that was a, a building process. The biggest issue there was because that other director encouraged the students not to do other things, not to do sports. <clears throat> there was a severe band geek. It wasn't called geek at the during those days, sure. but. Um, you know, if you were in the band, you were you were not cool. Mm. And uh, I remember this like it was yesterday. We um, we were um, uh, I don't know if it was a football game or we were trying we were playing jazz band during the lunch hour or something. Um, and after that, it was a freshman that went up to a senior who was my drum major. Uh, I'm still good friends with him to this day, Paul Weisenborn. He's a band director. Um, 
uh, out west somewhere, Nebraska, Kansas, something like that. And um, he, uh, this little kid walks up to him, and I don't know if I can say this on, on the podcast. He goes, <laughs> you're, you're, a, you're in the band? He goes, yeah. And the kid says, well, you're a band. Mm. And Paul decked him, punched him. And the uh, the next day, you know, I'm in the principal's office, and they said, you know, we're going to have to expel this kid. And I said, okay, here's what happened. You do that, and I'll ha- you'll have my letter of resignation tomorrow. I said, this isn't going to work. And they didn't expel Paul. They suspended him, but they didn't okay. expel him. <laughs> and uh, I think that was what started the the students realizing that I was <clears throat> really serious about building this program, and uh, <clears throat> so then you go from there. Um, I remember at uh, football games, um, they would throw things at us. We'd march by the stands and and uh, throwing pennies. Or uh, I remember this one boy; he got a tomato in the face, and the deans weren't watching closely enough. We had no no way of knowing and that boy Andy Brummel is his name uh, just this last year at Birch Creek I had his son Nathan in my band (laughs) and uh, Andy kind of stood out in my mind because he's a kid that just stood there and took that with um he goes listen those kids don't know what they're doing Mm. you know so I know what we're doing and uh, kind of events like that just kind of combined to to start building some pride in what we were doing there. And um, and that's when um, I met Brian Wiss, and we uh, he started. Uh, he was teaching in the elementaries there. He started um, uh, working, spending some time at the high school, and uh, we. Uh, we formed a pretty good partnership there. One that um, I know you mentioned, you know, maybe to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, because I always, I always, it was funny before I knew you and before I knew Brian mm-hmm. or even knew of you guys, I would hear your guys' names together, Stombreeze and Wiss. Yeah. And I didn't know if it was a law firm or what. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a, here's a quote from Brian, and I'll, I'll use it now because it's true. When, when it's time to get help, Consider getting someone with a skill set equal to or greater than your own. Okay. Because that will help serve the kids. So, you know, you're a band director. Hey, I need some help. I'm going to get an assistant. Basically, you know, sometimes those are the people that do everything you don't want to do. Sure. And that was never my philosophy. Um, but I do remember the first time that uh, we were practicing for marching band and and Brian took over on the mic, you know. And uh, to get help, to get good help, you have to be willing to accept that help. And yeah, I don't know how to say this, but sometimes our profession can be an ego-driven profession. Hmm. Um, and so that isn't what serves the kids the best. And uh, Brian and I... Uh, didn't have that issue of of ego i i wanted his help i i needed his help and uh, i learned so much 
from him. Uh, that's really where I learned how to do marching band, I think is from Brian. You know, his brother was drum major, the Cavaliers, mm. and and he kind of grew up in that. <clears throat> um, I learned a lot f- about marching band from my student teaching experience, and that got me to a certain point. But <clears throat> uh, beyond that, it was my um, uh, uh, the mentoring of Brian uh, to me. So not only did I hire a, or did we hire a colleague, but also a mentor, mm. you know. And uh, I think once Brian and I started working together and we combined our skill sets, that is when uh, that Naperville North program uh, started to, to really expand, you know, with getting the kids taking lessons and getting them motivated to do so, getting, getting them playing in, in small ensembles. You know, the way to build your, your concert band is to... <clears throat> <laughs> to have a brass wood and a woodwind quintet, mm-hmm. you know, to get uh, to get all these pieces together and have, you know, ensembles within small ensembles within your big ensemble. <laughs> Same way with the jazz band, you know, you if you want to get improvisers, you've got to have a small group. You've got to have a jazz combo um, where the kids um, can uh, can develop their skills. So, uh, anyway, that's where we decided to go uh, volunteer with the, with the marching band. And, and, uh, uh, that was a healthy way to have the competitive marching band when it wasn't required. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a million, we could have a whole podcast, I guess, on how to do marching band because not everybody does it the same way sure. in this profession. But, but for us, um, at Naperville, uh, doing it, uh, com- a volunteer competitive marching band was the way to build that program. We had about half the kids involved, and uh, then we could start concert band day one. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, um, and uh, so that that program uh, developed into. Uh, Brian and I would joke with each other. We'd show up in the morning. We'd just look at each other and go, "Okay, let's feed the monster, feed the monster." <laughs> you know, because it it does it does become a lot of work because of the expectation. But because I wasn't by myself, you know, it yeah. it made it doable. And uh, how many years did that take to get from thirty four kids to? Uh, <clears throat> the program being something that resembled what you envisioned it to be oh gosh i mean i think whenever you start a job it's it's four or five years because those kids have to become your own okay you know so i mean all of those kids have to be your own kids so to encourage younger teachers or people making a move it's it's not going to happen right away you know yeah the advice i gave uh uh, a former student teacher who just took a job uh recently that that i um was talking with on the phone i said you've got to be patient you just got to get in there and work because it does take time the kids have to learn to trust you uh you have to learn that that situation that administration um that town those parents and then uh and then see what you can do what what the possibilities are with that and then always set set realistic goals but uh don't be afraid to uh to to imagine what could be instead of what is, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, well, this is what it is. Well, not really. This is what it could be if you would do this and this and this. And, sure. And uh, at Naperville, a big part of that was was uh, 
getting uh, having Brian there uh, and we us bouncing ideas off of each other. And that's also where I learned um, well between him and my next colleague I'd like to talk about, which is uh, John Wojciechowski. Um, <laughs> that's where I learned technology because you know I'm an analog guy stuck in a digital world. <laughs> and if it wasn't for <clears throat> for Brian, I'd I'd still be there. You know, okay. and sometimes. <laughs> he would have to do a little tough love on me. It's like, you know, figure it out. If you, you try it again and try it again, and after the third or fourth time, if you can't try it, then ask me. Sure, you know, and uh, <clears throat> and he was right. So, uh, let's see, how many years did it take? I I suppose it was it was probably let's say four years before okay. that program started to develop, where we you know had multiple bands and and. Uh, you know, when we told people we had six bands at that school, they they thought, well, okay, who's how many kids you have playing in more than one band? And the answer was, well, a few, but they're playing maybe a secondary instrument sure. in, in another band. Um, and then because of the way the program developed, Superstate just kind of happened. I don't know how or why. It just you know we applied, we got in, and and. Uh, then the Midwest just kind of happened because it was something that I thought was a a natural <clears throat> a natural progression for that for that program. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of a lot of stress. Um, but in the end, uh, it, it, it's who's it for, you know? Yeah. Um, my son, who is now in his third year of. Uh, of being a music teacher. When I retired, I literally passed the baton okay. and my tuxedo <laughs> <laughs> uh, to my son, Alex, who is uh, now orchestra director at uh, Addison Trail okay. High School. And he, he said, he said, Dad, how do you know what, what's right you know, to do with the kids? And I said, the, the question that I was told to ask is, who's it for? Is it for you? And your ego, your reputation, or is it for the kids? And if the answer is the first, then don't do it. If the answer is the second, then whatever it takes, do it. Hmm. And uh, that was, uh, and I can't even remember who told me that, Don, but Hmm. um, that was good advice. (laughs) (laughs) So if it'll benefit the kids, then then go for it. Whether that's, you know, in in a jazz situation, in a marching band, a situation in a concert band situation, whatever part of your program, if if it's what's going to benefit the kids, then that's uh, then then that's what you run with. So so from Naperville North, you teach junior high after that. I do. Okay, so Brian left Naperville to pursue doctoral work at U of I. My mom had a stroke. My kids are getting older. I have three children. And all of a sudden, I realized I'm not home enough. <laughs> and uh, you know, my wife is uh, uh, she's been a full time uh, college professor at Judson University for this is her 34th year. Okay. So we have these kids, <clears throat> and I'm at school all the time, and relying on my wife to take care of the kids, right? And I remember she saying uh, one time, she says, "Well." When you're home, yeah, you play with the kids, you know, and you're you're a good dad, but but it's it's challenging. And I just kind of had a a moment where 
<laughs> I remember I was sitting backstage. <clears throat> uh, my student teacher at that time was Mark Dahl, who's now at uh, Lyons Township. And uh, he actually worked with me at St. Charles for a few years. Just an um, amazing guy. Uh, he wasn't a student teacher. He was more like a colleague because he had his degree and came back to get a master's in education. But I'm sitting backstage watching Mark conduct, and and I went, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Hmm. This was about 20 years in, you know, two nights a week with a competitive marching band. Uh, all the jazz was outside the school day, and uh, <clears throat> Brian was leaving, and there was a middle school position open in the district. And so I thought, okay, I, I don't want to leave this profession, but I've got to make a change. Not for professional reasons, but for personal and family reasons. So the, that was probably the hardest decision I ever made is walking out of that band room at Naperville North saying, okay, I'm leaving high school. I'm, I'm going to be a, a middle school band director. And uh, so I, I got the job at Kennedy Middle School. Well, they, they call them junior high still in Naperville. And, uh, and that was uh, that was. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite an experience. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, first of all, I thought, how hard can this be? You know, my daughter, my my oldest, was in seventh grade, and I go, I have a junior high kid at home. I can I can figure this out. And I'm here to tell you that junior high, in my opinion, is harder than teaching <laughs> high school. It really is. Um, I think okay, you just you have your evenings free. You just go in and you teach, and then you go home. But you don't get those kids out of your mind. You know, and you don't. You, there's still issues and problems to fix, and uh, uh, <clears throat> I found it more difficult. It was it was learning all over again because when the clarinet player comes up to you and says, "I don't know how to do this," you don't give them a a chart or whatever. You got to show them. Mm-hmm. If you want bassoon players, you got to show them. You don't say, "Well, here's the number of the private teacher and yeah. a horn." <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, <clears throat> I remember we started, we, I auditioned uh, a jazz band and we, we got them all, all set up and first rehearsal, I had the music out and, and I counted them off, one, two, right, here we go, and nothing happened. <laughs> and I said, okay, uh, let's, we're at the top, this piece, okay, here we go, one, two, ready, go, nothing happened. And the kids looked at me and they go, Mr. Stombries, we we don't know what to do. <laughs> So I had to show them, you know, and we just started from ground zero. And, and uh, at, that, at that point, uh, I learned a lot about, uh, about how to build a program, how to, how to teach the kids. And um, I had some great kids in that, in that, in that band. Um, one, Kyle Zerna, he now plays with the uh, New York Philharmonic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing to do with me, but it was, uh, you know, I had some really talented kids there. I had a trumpet player, Justin Heinekamp. He's the band director at Sandwich High School. Um, he was in, in that group. Um, he ended up student teaching with me as well, you know. Uh, and uh, it's just some really great kids that I was able to learn. They were patient with me. I asked a lot of questions. I sat down with the other junior high directors, and I go, how do you how do you do this? And they said, here's what you do. You, you got to get your, first of all, get your lesson schedule set up. 
And I talked to Brian about it because he had done the elementary and said, you got to get your lesson schedule set up and then you got to do this and you got to do that. And um, I just, I just asked a lot of questions. I guess I, I'm not afraid to ask for help. Okay. You know, and uh, for the young teachers out there, do not ever be afraid to ask <laughs> for help because that will, that will change things if you, if you do ask. And if you don't, then, you know, shame on you hmm. because uh, uh, there are people out there that want to help that, that, you know, when somebody asks me what I think, you know, I'm a bit humbled by this podcast because I'm just, you know, not sure I belong in the league that um, <laughs> of the other people that have been on this this little this little to differ. <laughs> this little thing that you do here. But uh, but from that standpoint, I I was always I was lucky to be surrounded by good mentors. Uh, there's another person that that gave me some good advice. Um, uh, this he's no longer in the area. His name's Dale Lanis. He was actually a high school friend. He worked uh, at Northwestern for a while, and and he said, uh, "You surround yourself with the best people, and then you're going to be okay." Hmm. You know, the trouble is sometimes people get a little bit of an ego and they they think that they're the best person, <laughs> and then they don't take advantage of other things that are around them bringing in clinicians you know i was never afraid to do that and have a clinician say well this this isn't good enough you know this yeah. needs to be better and so um we we try to make it better with their with their advice so anyway um at kennedy then uh, i had a great principal uh don perry He's the closest thing to Fred Rogers on this earth. He talked like him. He looked like him. And he was just a great man. He goes, listen, whatever you whatever you need. <clears throat> so um, uh, we, I took him up on his offer, you know, and I put up, made up a proposal, what I needed. Um, fast forward to the uh, <clears throat> uh, to a few months later. Then uh, my assistant principal at Naperville North. Uh, was passed over to get the principal's job there. Uh, and then so he pursued uh, the principal's job at St. Charles North, which was a new school, wasn't open yet, so he was hired a year out to build a staff. Frank and I were uh, got along pretty well. I had his, uh, his daughter was uh, in the marching band as a flag uh, person. And uh, so I get a call from Frank um, saying he'd like me to consider opening this new school with him in St. Charles. And I said, Frank, I just just left high school. I don't think so. I'm getting used to this junior high thing. Um, so he, he was persistent in um, uh, trying to get me to consider it. And I'm building this, this junior high program. We got to the point where they, they sounded pretty good. You know, we had some... Um, not like some of the, not like a Rachel Maxwell program. <laughs> In fact, when I was when I was at Kennedy, Rachel asked me to come out and listen to her wind dance or her eighth grade wind ensemble or her honor band or whatever it is. And uh, after I did, I'm driving home, contemplating whether I should go home or you know drive my car into a tree. <laughs> And I've told Rachel that just because it's like, how do you, how do you, 
how do you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's another person that I've, uh, you know, consider a mentor because she's, you know, what she does with those kids there and now not honor band, but all kids, including disabilities and a range of playing levels. What she does there is just pretty phenomenal. Sure. Um, so anyway, I had my wish list, <clears throat> which I thought was completely ridiculous and uh, my principal comes down, this is at Kennedy, and get, comes into my office, shuts the door, and he goes, Jim, I'm prepared to give you absolutely everything on your list. No, no exceptions. If you stay. He goes, I heard you've been talking to Frank Kessman. <laughs> oh, boy. So then the question is, do I stay at the middle school uh, or do I take this, this job in St. Charles? And uh, <laughs> that was that was pretty gut wrenching too, um, uh, because I thought, okay, this I was getting used to this, and and I thought this would this is where I should stay maybe, um, but with but it was hard teaching middle school is hard, you know, and there were some opportunities that I didn't have. Uh, teaching middle school that I did with high school. Part of it was the travel. You know, I, I have done a lot of traveling with the groups. Um, we had done uh, two or three trips to Germany with uh, the Naperville North Jazz Band, and I knew that would be over. Um, so, uh, in the end, I decided to uh, to take take the the job at St. Charles North, and it was um, partly for personal and family reasons. You know. Um, kids were getting older we we felt that one of us needed to be in town because we've always lived in st charles and we kind of split the commute oh okay so um uh we we thought it would be good uh with our kids getting older for somebody to be close to home um so that was uh probably the biggest reason and again it was a personal and family decision not um not a professional decision you know, and all this is trying to be struggling with finding balance between, you know, work and family. Um, cause I didn't want to be one of those, one of those directors that had a, you know, a divorce on their resume, yeah. you know, and that, uh, you know, you're never home kind of thing. And that, that's always, <laughs> always something I wanted to be, be, uh, you know, very careful of because as most of us, you know, I married out of my league, you know, <laughs> And and I I didn't want to I didn't want to jeopardize any you know the things at home. Um, so my wife and I decided that maybe this would be a, a good move you know to to have me in town. So I take the job at uh, at St. Charles North. And uh, again, how do you open a school? Well, I spent a lot of time talking to Chip Staley because he had just gone through it you know, with Niqua Valley. Chip's quote was this, opening a new school is something very exciting that you only want to do once. (laughs) (laughs) And man, was he right. You know, there's no chairs, there's no stands, there's no instruments, there's no nothing, you know. So I got Chip's list of what he bought. And then uh, percussion, what do you do? There's so many options. So I called Kevin Lepper. And I said, Kevin, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm commuting from Hanover Park to Chicago. You want to ride the train with me? <laughs> so I did, you know. And uh, 
Kevin said, he looked at, no, you don't want this, you want this. And you don't okay. want this, you want this, you know. And that's how I got the instrument list. I didn't make it up. I, I got advice from people that had been through it, sure. from people that knew more than me. And uh, and then we start out with, uh, <laughs> you know, just freshmen and sophomores, you know. And when you open a new school, that's usually what happens. So you have senioritis in the sophomore class, second <laughs> semester. You do. And it was it was four years wow. before we before I felt that there was anything there that I would be would be pleased with, you know. Uh, but again, building that, I thought, okay, let's take a trip the first year. So the choir, the orchestra, the band, we combined efforts and we went to that Smoky Mountain Music Festival yeah. down in, in uh, Gatlinburg. And, and uh, that was kind of a fun thing, you know, kind of cemented the, okay, we're, we're a program here. Um, I guess that would also be a good time to mention that, that I always included or felt that, that it wasn't just the band. It was, it was the whole program. You know, I'm still good friends with Jim Yarbrough, you know, from uh, Naperville North. You know, we tried to do things together, mm -hmm. uh, tried to get kids to do both instead of, uh, well, you only need to do the choir. You can't do band because you're in choir. You can't, you know, do vice versa, um, which is a problem in some programs. You know, uh, directors are very possessive of kids instead of allowing them to do more than one thing. So I think it's important to... Um, to allow kids to to do more sure if if they want to and and then work out the conflicts you know with the kids and the, the other teacher so um as the program grew at, at saint charles uh opportunity to bring in you know help and again the the help that i was able to bring in was was mark doll you know so instead of uh uh the administration saying well we're going to interview and we're going to hire who we think. Uh, Frank Kessman, my principal, said, Jim, who should we hire? Mm. I said, we need Mark Dahl. And then Mark Dahl, uh, I learned a lot from him as well. With uh, He was a good writer, a good organizer, you know, really smart guy, great jazz musician. And uh, so it was at the end of our fourth year is the first time we went to the Essentially Ellington. And it was basically, you know, Mark, you know, guiding and and uh, taking the lead on that. Um, then Mark had the chance to go to Lyons Township. Um, and in that, I'm trying to think who came first. Right. And then in that uh, interim, uh, when Mark was... was uh, considering Lions. Uh, I was talking to Brian Wiss at Allstate, and, and he said uh, he was then a, a, a dean of admissions at Roosevelt. Okay. And uh, he kind of missed teaching because he was in administration. And um, and he said, uh, <clears throat> Mark says, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this job. And uh, Brian and I were talking. He said, well, you know, I'd, I'd consider, is that a full-time job? I'd consider taking that. And my phone, the phone just dropped out of my hand. <laughs> it did. And I, uh, are you kidding me? And so, uh, Brian comes back on board and we're, we're working together again mm -hmm. and picked up where we left off. Then as our program grew more, uh, uh, John Wojciechowski, who I'd met up at Birch Creek, 
um, again, a connection. And, uh, you know, John is, in my opinion, uh, one of the finest, if not the finest, uh, jazz saxophone players in Chicago. He would be jazz famous if, uh, if he wasn't teaching, you know, but that's not a lifestyle he chose, you know, so now he's just jazz familiar, as he says. (laughs) (laughs) But then, uh, and Wojo said no several times to me. He said, I can't, I can't teach high school and, and, you know, do what I do, you know, with playing and stuff. At that point, he was, um, uh, he was working in, uh, in Carpentersville at a middle school, doing elementary middle school, and then teaching the second band at NIU. Uh, so Wojo said no for a couple of months until I said, can we sit down with a calendar and just look at this and see if, if it's possible? And, uh, he said, if there's ever a gig you have to do, then you do that gig and we'll figure it out. And so then we established the dream team of, uh, you know, Brian Wiss and, uh, John Wojciechowski and me and, uh, man, that, that was just I do. I still miss that to this day. You know, all those years with Brian and the, the help that I got from from him with the marching band, with technology, and then sharing an office with John Wojciechowski is like a daily clinic. Um, he 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 really taught me, and this is late in my career, but really how to prepare for rehearsal. He made the comment to me one time because we taught up at Birch Creek together. He goes, you know, Jim, I think you're, you're a better teacher up at Birch Creek than you are here. <clears throat> and I thought about it for a second, you know, thinking, well, that's kind of a rude thing to say. But You've had some pretty honest people to you in your career, haven't you? I have. <laughs> <clears throat> I have because we were comfortable sure. with each other, you know. It's like if we call each other our work wives, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, if you're you you got to be honest with your wife if you're going to have a have a good relationship, and and you got to be honest with your colleagues if you're going to have a good relationship. And and Brian was always very honest with me, and and Wojo was honest with me at that point. And then I thought about what I did at Birch Creek that I didn't do at at uh, home, and it was the prep, you know. And so I started to change that and became a better teacher, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, as my kids are growing up, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of teenagers, John would know if I, when I walked in the door in the office in the morning to say, okay, what's going on, or to just ignore me. <laughs> we always said we couldn't both be dark on the same day. <laughs> and uh, I think I think the healthiest thing was that I was never vibed or bothered by the fact that I shared an ensemble with somebody. Okay. Uh, I shared that wind ensemble with Brian Wiss. It was us at Midwest. It wasn't me at Midwest. Uh, I shared that ensemble with with uh, um, John Wojciechowski. It wasn't us at Midwest <clears throat> or Ellington. <clears throat> and same with Mark. It was... Uh, or it wasn't me. It was it was us, and uh, I think that's how I survived uh, mm-hmm. just this last year, forty years of doing this, wow. because mm-hmm. um, I always valued uh, 
the help and and uh, wanted to share the program. So then you retire. <laughs> well, quote unquote retire. Well, that started as a as a joke too, because okay. I'm sitting in the office with Wojo, and I look on the. Uh, first of all, let me back up. This sure. I would be remiss if I didn't um, didn't mention this little retirement uh, celebration. That That's Ron, what I was just going to bring up. Okay, I, that uh, Brian was organized. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Made the Tribune, and it was it was big news. <laughs> well, I told him. I said made it clear that I didn't want anything, you know, that I just want to, I just want to be done. I, I want to finish. I don't want to, I don't want to phone it in. I, I want to, I just want to do my job. And when it's time to be done, then I'll be done. And in fact, Brian called my wife and said, listen, I think we're going to do something. And she goes, I'm completely out because Jim doesn't want anything. And if he knows I'm a part of this, he's going to be upset. So she didn't know anything about it. My kids didn't know anything about it. Uh, Brian establishes a secret Facebook page and he knows I'm ignorant enough on technology that I'd never find it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, uh, then through former students like uh, Kendra Barrett, Kendra Gore, who's the wife of the band director at Libertyville, a former student. So she said, okay, I'll take care of all the music, getting the music sent out. uh, uh, I'll... Uh, another student who was doing, uh, he had skills in uh, you know, screen printing and that stuff. They did the, the T-shirts and it just kind of, Brian, as he said after the fact, he goes, it just kind of started and went out of control, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, it was my f- freshman band concert. And uh, so I had two freshman bands and then a, uh, basically freshman, but a, a young jazz band. And that was one of the concerts. Very unsuspecting that it would be on that night. Uh, in fact, I had one of the best students I ever had, student teachers I ever had. Uh, I thought, he's this guy's good enough. I'd just let him do the whole concert. You know, Brian says, ah, oh, you may want your last concert at school. You may want to, you know, conduct something. Sure. <laughs> so, Okay. So I said, hey, Dan, would you mind if I did, you know, this and this? Yeah, no problem. He was in on it, too. So we finished the concert, and I said, thanks for coming. And then Brian walks, comes off from the wings and walks on stage, and he goes, well, not so fast. You know, so it was it was humbling, man. I mean, it was – these kids came back. Uh, I think the furthest one was Alaska. Oh, you know, wow. California, Florida, New York. Uh, I have a former student that plays in the New York Philharmonic, the um, the Met Orchestra, and uh, so she kind of took care of some of the organizational things too. But she's there, and um, it was, and it wasn't just those kinds of kids. It was all these kids that hadn't played their horns in 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 a while. You know, they heard about this. These two sisters had packed up, and you know, drove out, and they had a couple of rehearsals. You know, got their chops in shape, and and uh yeah that was kind of tough for me to talk about now <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was it was something you know and again that was uh Brian Wisp being unselfish you know and uh just pulling all that together absolutely so 
Yeah, we uh, and then the after party at a Giordano's, which they organized. Uh, some of the, I think the last people there were like half a dozen Batavia kids. Okay, you know, we closed the place down at two in the morning. <laughs> it was it was amazing. Wow. They even started a GoFundMe page, right? Yeah, because I always yeah. said I want a boat. I want to buy a boat. You know. <laughs> In fact, Brian asked my son what kind of boat I wanted. They were thinking about buying a boat and and actually having it there at the concert. Holy cow. Well, we decided or they decided that maybe that wouldn't be a good idea because we had to, I don't know, as the years passed and my kids got older, maybe a boat wasn't such a good idea. But at the concert, I got this publisher's clearinghouse size check for $5,000 from Holy these cow. kids. So you need that in retirement. Right? Well, so actually what we did, um, we didn't buy a boat. We rented a boat. Okay. A big one. All right. Um, uh, after Alex, my son graduated from Elmhurst, he had the chance to, uh, Doug Beach, who's amazing. Uh, Alex played piano in his, in his jazz band uh, there for five years. And uh, when he graduated, they went to the Umbria Jazz Festival in uh, Italy, in Prussia. So he was all excited. Alex calls, says, hey, this would be great. I can't wait. Um, too bad you and mom can't go. So we hang up, and I looked at my wife, and I go, and why can't we go? <laughs> so so my wife organized this whole thing, but uh, we flew into Venice and spent two days there. And then our boat, the money, was uh, the uh, Greek Isle cruise. All right. <laughs> So that was kind of our retirement gift. We used the money for that. And so we took pictures and posted on the, the website's still live, the Mr. S's retiring website. Okay. I'll uh, check that out again. Yeah, that's now not secret. And um, so, anyway, you'd be able to thank the kids, yeah. you know, say, this is the boat we rented, you know, and this is kind of our dream vacation. And then we took the train, got back from that, took the train, and spent three days uh, listening to Alex. And then flew from Rome up to Stuttgart, where we spent three days, four days, with uh, the band directors and our host family from all the Germany trips that we took. We took uh, eight eight trips to Germany, and they would come over. In fact, our host family is, in two weeks is spending four days with us. Wow. <laughs> so things don't slow down for Jim Stonbreeze. Well, uh, they they do and they don't, okay. you know. Un- unfortunately, because of declining enrollment in St. Charles, I've lost that job at St. Charles East. Oh, okay. Because you were doing for those of you listening, you were you were retired and then you did. <clears throat> okay, a, a so but I didn't position. I didn't finish that. So then yeah, I'm sitting in the office with uh, Wojo, and I see on the website um, there's a a point four job at uh, at St. Charles East. Well, Gil Wukic is teaching there uh, as the lead teacher, um, uh, who's a former student teacher of mine. And, you know, we're good friends. And so I texted Gil. I, I know Wojo says, I dare you to text Gil and tell him, hey, when do I start? So it was a dare on Wojo. And I said, okay. So I text Gil, hey, saw the job. When do I start? And Gil texts me back and he goes, are you kidding? <laughs> so a couple of weeks later, you know, it was just a transfer of staff. So I've been doing that for the last three years and uh, <clears throat> teaching the non-audition sophomore through senior bands. That's been a challenge mm-hmm. uh, because those are the kids that really don't want to practice, you sure. know. And uh, again, choosing the right literature and preparing. Uh, but I I did enjoy that experience, and now that that door's closed, I'm looking now for you know another door to open. Uh, I am the caregiver for my grandkids. Um, 
I, I watch them one, uh, one or two days a week. I've got a three-year-old Caleb and a eight-week-old Anna, so now I'll be having two of them to watch. All right. Uh, I actually have a job interview tomorrow. I'm not going to go into detail, okay. so I may not be done yet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we had you on here. It was to help you get a job. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I need work. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, in, in retirement, and it's the case with most people my age now, what do you do in retirement? And a lot of people, the answer is, will you work? You know? Yeah. So my wife's a few years younger than me. She's four years younger. She's going to teach. Um, uh, she's our health insurance. So she's at Judson until we can both be on Medicare. Okay. And she's great at what she does. She doesn't want to stop. And so she's still working. You know, I can't sit around the house and eat Cheetos all day. You know, I've got to got to do something. I guess the way to put it is my career is over, but I don't feel like I'm done working, mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, but if I have to be, then I will be. Sure. You know, and uh, the time will fill with, with, um, with you know, family. And uh, uh, I tell you, it's my happy place when I go to my daughter's house and, you know, the dog goes crazy and, and Caleb runs up to me, Papa, 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 you know. Uh, Anna's can't talk yet, you know, she's the, you know, she doesn't know what's going on. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah, in fact, uh, Thursday is my, my first day solo with both kids. Well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know, that's... Uh, I guess that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> you got another question? Well, let's as, as we close out, let's talk about your shirt. You're wearing a Birch Creek shirt. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Birch Creek. Oh my and, gosh! And you know what um, your involvement has been, and and you know how important you think uh, music camps are for kids. Well, here's how Birch Creek started. Tom Streeter, Eleanor Wesleyan. Um, I took my Yorkville jazz band to. Um, to his jazz festival. This is my third year teaching. I didn't know I didn't know anything about anything. You know, I'm just trying to learn. So let's get the kids out to a festival. See if we can get some good advice. And I won't mention the clinician's name. Um, but the clinician just ripped us. Okay. You know, and Tom witnessed it. And so afterwards, you know, Tom said he said, "Listen, I'm really sorry." And I go, "Look, I'm I'm coming here to learn." I said, and I didn't, I need advice, you know, and I figured this was a good place to get it. So Tom took that to heart. And uh, we had, then as I moved on in my career, we had some success, uh, specifically with the Batavia Jazz Band. Um, I've uh, made good friends with Jim Warwick, who was at New Trier High School. And Jim was teaching at, at Birch Creek. And Tom was the program director at Birch Creek. And so they said, hey, let's, let's ask Stombreeze. I think he'd do a good job up here. That was 30 years ago. Mm. So just uh, a couple weeks ago um, at our a concert, they honored uh, both Jeff Campbell, the program director, and, and myself for being at Birch Creek for 30 years. All right. And I can't, I can't believe it. The time's gone so fast. But that, that place has changed my life in that um, – so many kids went. I was able to, to encourage kids to go to that camp. You know, uh, I think music camps are really important if, if you can afford it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if if you can uh, 
get the time because it's it's just it's all you focus on. You don't have to worry about chemistry and math and your friends and and this and that. Sure, you sure. can really focus. But during those years of Birch Creek, again, there were some people that believed in me. Jim Moore, you know, believed in what I could do. He's the one that recommended me. Tom Streeter believed in me. In fact, Tom had me back as a clinician years later at his festival. <laughs> and he cited that example. You know, these people are here to learn. Yeah. And Jim went through a situation where he wanted to learn and wasn't all allowed that. And now, you know, now he's, he's here to help you. Uh but the people I've met, the 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 things I've been able to experience because of Birch Creek, I just can't explain. I mean, Dennis McCrell, the last drummer that Count Basie hired, uh, is a good friend of mine. <laughs> I get a Christmas card from Dennis McCrell. <laughs> um, uh, Bob Kamel, Frank Sinatra Jr.'s drummer. Um, Oh, Joey Tartell at Indiana. I mean, I got to meet Tanya Darby and become friends with her. Clay Jenkins, all these people from Eastman, because that's where Jeff is. I just sent a text to Jeff last night. Um, we had this joke after uh, the small group, the combo night. We always send each other a text or we make this joke to each other. And So I was texting him last night and, and he said, thanks again. And I just said, this place has changed my life. And I, I owe so many thanks to you. Uh, because he keeps asking me back, yeah. you know. I mean, I'm I'm not getting any younger, and I'm still able to do these things with these people, you know. Uh, I went bike riding with Tom Garling a couple weeks ago. <laughs> That's crazy, you know. Uh, and these uh, just the opportunities that I have. That's how I met Wojo. Yeah, you know, my first year at Birch Creek, Gil Wukic was a trumpet player in my studio band. You know, and now how many years later he hires me? It's, it's, it's just crazy. So, uh, Birch Creek is a very special place, uh, and I think had it not been for Birch Creek, my my son maybe wouldn't be a music teacher. He was mm. really inspired. You know, Reggie Thomas was his piano teacher there, and and uh, things. Uh, there's a lot of Birch Creek stories, but I, but I, it, it really has changed my life and allowed me to experience and grow as a musician because, uh, uh, you, you can't mess around up there. It's gotta be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of performances and, and, uh, and I've, I've been able to, and now I go back in a week and a half, we started an adult concert band camp. Okay. So I power trio that again. Mona, the director up there, says, I want you to be the program director. And I said, I'm not your guy. And then I thought about it. But with Chip Staley and Steve Sfeem from Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, we could be the guys. Yeah. And so, again, it's that teaming. I can't. I don't want to do it by myself. I want to do it with these three guys or these two other guys, the three of us. And it was a hoot. We started with 19 people last year. We made it work. We've got 45 signed up for this year, and that thing is going to go crazy. Wow. Chip Staley made it a Mecca class. So all you young band directors, you want to take the uh, the Mecca class through Vandercook uh, and spend four days in Door County, uh, it's 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 going to be amazing. Wow. I mean, not obviously for this year, but in the future, because that's going to stay on the books. So, uh, yeah, Birch Creek has been been very special fantastic well jim i really enjoyed this conversation this was great uh, to hear about your your story and and career and what you're still doing now today hope so. i 
hope I made some sense, you know, to I me. suppose yeah. in, 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 in closing, uh, I, I heard a, a QNF interviewed Dan Valkama uh, when he retired and he, and he said, what do you, what, what's your suggestion, Dan? And it's just, uh, he said, get a mentor, you know, and that's, that's what I would recommend to you've got to, <sighs> well, when I started teaching, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. When I retired, I had a pretty good idea of what I didn't know. <laughs> and and you just you have to don't be afraid to ask the questions. Surround yourself with people that that are better than you. Yeah. And uh and get a get a colleague, get get somebody you can you can count on. So, I mean, that's why you started this podcast, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. uh I think that's probably the best advice I could give. Great. Well, thank you very much, Jim. Thank you.